Welcome to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in their lives. And it's a place where your questions about faith and religion can be answered. And now, here's your host, Deacon Al. Good evening, everyone. I am Deacon Al Lundy. Welcome to Good News here on Catholic Spirit Radio. It is the third Sunday of Ordinary Time, and John, today... I finally got around to taking down Christmas decorations. <laughs> I know it's a little late. We've always had this tradition. We, we put them up on Thanksgiving weekend. We take them down Epiphany. It's what we've always done for 40, gosh, 46 years now. That's what we've always done. And uh, this year, it didn't quite work out that way between weather, illnesses, House guests that just wouldn't go away. <laughs> they just, they, not that they, not that they stayed too long. It was just kind of like a flood, a parade of people coming to visit. I'm mostly coming to visit uh, my mother who lives nearby me, and so we become uh, uh, Casa Lundy for everyone, which we love doing. It's great fun. It goes through a lot of groceries, but it is. It's really nice seeing. I, Sharon had family coming. We had family coming. Um, my brothers and, but it was just. As things went, here we are, the third week of ordinary time, and we're just taking down Christmas decorations, and we're thinking, Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent, is four weeks away, three and a half, three and a half weeks away, and we're into Lent. Now, we don't do any great decorations for Lent, but we do start the Easter decorations going. So Christmas just came down, Easter's about to go up, and I'm pretty sure if you go into the stores, it's uh, 4th of July now. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, everything gets earlier and earlier. Um, what else did we talk about last time? Oh, a few a few little topics. Uh, I was being eaten out of house and home by birds. No, that's no longer an issue. The birds, the birds are behaving themselves quite well. In fact, with the strong winds, a lot of the bird seed has been blown down on the ground. Now, my bird feeders, I can handle maybe fifteen birds at a time at the bird feeders, but when it's on the ground. We've had like 60 birds in the yard at a time, but that's not, that's not my problem. The squirrels have discovered the bird seed and the squirrels eat a whole lot more than the birds eat. Now I have to figure out, and I've got baffles on. I got the, the squirrel, I got squirrel raccoon baffles because the squirrel baffles are like 14 bucks, right? The squirrel raccoon baffles are like 50 bucks. And I had to get two of them because I also have raccoons. The raccoons tried one time to get to the bird seed. They stopped. But raccoons are pretty smart animals. They decide this is a waste of my time. There's easier food to be had. They go away. The squirrels are relentless. They, they love a challenge. And they will hang in there until they overcome it. Squirrels would make great Marines. You know, see and overcome, right? And they have managed to overcome the baffles. So I've wasted $100 to keep squirrels away, and they jump over them, past them. I've never seen anything like it. One of them jumps from the ground, and the, the top of the baffle is like six feet up. And the squirrel jumps from the ground and lands on top of the baffle. And then from there, it's an easy step up in, into, the, into the feeder. So now I've got five squirrels at a time in my yard chasing each other in and out of these bird feeders. And they're, they're eating twice as much as the birds did. So it's, it's nice to be kind to God's little creatures, but man, is it costly. 
So uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm, we're going to go through the winter and decide how long we're going to be uh, caterers to the great outdoors. <laughs> I feel like I've entered a catering business. But it is. it has been fun to watch. We're getting a great variety of, of birds. Really, really cool. And uh, we're having a lot of fun with that. We're now getting fox sparrows. Those of you who are into uh, birdology, isn't that what they call it? Birdology? Ornithology, birdology, whatever. Uh, we're getting fox sparrows, which are like the the Buicks of sparrows. These things are, are huge. And uh, they're mostly ground eaters. And we get like 40, a whole flock at a time. And they hang around for about three minutes. They're gone for a couple of minutes. They're back again. And they're in and out all day long. But anyway, that's just the view outside my backyard window. And uh, it's a pretty one. But it, it is coming on. Spring's right around the corner. Don't let these cold temperatures. I know it's been cold. It's been cold. And, and now they're calling for snow this weekend. But still have hope. Know that, know that spring is right around the corner. And knowing that doesn't mean that I cause that. The fact that I know what the weather is going to do eventually doesn't mean that I cause what the weather does. And I bring that up because one of the questions I've been getting asked a lot lately uh, through emails and, and texts and in our little, uh, by the way, if you want to send a question in to, uh, to us here at Good News, the email address is goodnews at catholicspiritradio.org. And you can send in your questions about the Catholic faith or Christianity in general. And we'll be glad to talk about them on the air. And one of the most common questions I've been getting is about um, free will. If God knows what we're going to do ahead of time, how do we have free will? Well, I know what the weather's going to do. I know spring's coming. I know that I know I have flowers. I can tell you what week of the month they will probably bloom because I've watched it over years. I, I know I know my gardens and I know how they're going to behave. Well, who knows us better than God? I mean, he, he knows us since we were uh, knitted in our mother's womb, right? He knows everything about us. But that doesn't mean that just because he knows what we're going to do doesn't mean he controls what we're going to do. Any more than knowing what my plants are going to do means that I control what my plants are going to do. So that's where free will comes in. We have, we have the ability to choose the freedom. God has said, I will not interfere with your human choice. Animals don't have that. I mean, they're controlled. My, my squirrels aren't saying, hey, let's go over to Al Lundy's house and, uh, and eat some of his bird seed. They're, they're reacting out of habit and, and just nature, you know, the, just the stimulus and response. Uh, we're, we, we act upon our intellect. Our intellect is supposed to be able to override our, our human, our, our, sorry, our animal uh, reactions. That's what makes us human is, is that human intellect. And so we could choose to do good or choose to do evil. And it doesn't mean God forces us because just simply because he knows what we're going to do. Um, football season, if, if you as a football fan have been following your favorite team, you probably have a good idea of what their next play is going to be, depending on the situation that they're in. Because you know them and you say, you know, normally when they face this team and they're, they're you know, uh, less than 10 yards to the goal, they're probably going to do a short pass to the weak side. And you know that because you know them so well. That doesn't mean that you cause the play. God doesn't cause our choices. If we, if we choose evil, we do that of our own choice. 
not because God made us do it. In the same way, if we choose to do the good, it's because we chose to do that. And people say, well, you can't show me an example of free will. Sure, I can. Sure, I can. Have you ever picked up a knife in the kitchen and, and cut a sandwich in half? Well, you didn't cut your spouse in half. You cut the sandwich. <laughs> you, know, you had the choice. You had the knife in your hand. You could do whatever you want with it. It's your choice. You chose to cut the sandwich. You chose to do the good rather than the evil. That's just one small example of, of free will. But it is free will. You could have done the wrong thing. So anytime you make a choice between good and evil, that's free will. It's not saying that, you know, you've got, you've got a choice of corn or, or Brussels sprouts for dinner, you choose corn. That's not free will. That's simply choice. But the freedom to have the, the goodwill, the freedom of choice, is actually a gift from God that separates mankind from animals. And it's something that he gives every human being and something he will never take away. So people say, well, instead of God flooding the world, why didn't he just change all the evil people and make them good? Well, that would be a violation of of free will. They chose their path, and so God's not going to uh, counter that. And the same thing with, well, why does God send people to hell? He doesn't. Some people choose that path. And so when they choose that path in life, God allows them that path forever. He says, that was your choice. I'm not going to interfere. Just as if you make good choices and you're welcomed into the gates of heaven, God's not going to send you to hell just randomly because you chose to do good in life. God allows you to keep that choice for eternity. Uh, Hell is just, just as heaven is just. So don't think just because God knows you so well that he knows what you're going to do doesn't mean that he controls what you're going to do. The choice is still ours. So keep keep that in mind. Uh, as I say, this is the, the third Sunday in Ordinary Time. We have the readings from uh, this weekend's Mass that we'll be uh, looking at. Uh, uh, the story of, uh, from the book of the prophet Jonah. This is Jonah in Nineveh. And Nineveh, if you want to do a really interesting Bible study, uh, study just the chapter of Jonah in Nineveh and what that is really representing, what, what that's teaching us about. Because like most uh, scripture, uh, it has multiple layers of meaning. It has meaning for the, the time it was written for or written in, for the people it was written for and what they were experiencing in their life at that time. But it also speaks to us today about our life and our choices. And it also speaks to mankind in the future as to what they can expect. And so we see that today in in the reading about Nineveh from the prophet Jonah. Then we have uh, the second reading is Paul to the Corinthians. Very short, but again, uh, talking about what we can expect uh, in in the future. And then the gospel according to Mark and we're now in uh, cycle B, and so we're going to have Mark throughout this entire cycle until next uh, next November when we'll go into cycle C. So we got through with Matthew, and now we're going into uh, the, the Gospels of Mark. And uh, Mark's going to be talking about uh, John the Baptist and about Christ as he calls people uh, by name into his ministry. 
So we'll come back to our readings from this Sunday, the third Sunday of Ordinary Time. One other conversation we had last week was about this uh, latest decree from Pope Francis. Uh, His Holiness talked about uh, the ability now to give blessings to same-sex couples. And this caused quite an uproar inside and outside of the Catholic Church. For one thing, it was nothing new. We've always been able to bless people. Priests and deacons and bishops have always been able to bless people. Uh, We bless marriages only during the marriage ceremony. We can give a blessing to uh, people on their marriage anniversaries, but we don't bless the marriage. We bless the people in the marriage. And so being able to bless people is, is nothing new. And we don't quiz people about their uh, personal life when we give a blessing. We ask them, what do you want the blessing for? Where, what, for what do you need this, this extra uh, sacramental strength? And that's what, we, that's what we pray for. So the Pope made it quite clear in this decree that we are not blessing the union we're, of a same-sex uh, couple. We're not blessing the marriage or performing a marriage for a same-sex couple. We are blessing the people, and that's fine. Well, that, of course, uh, is open for great abuse, it, just, just rife for abuse. And it's also, it's also open for um, misunderstanding. Somebody see people getting a blessing and assume that uh, a same-sex marriage is being blessed or a same-sex union. And so what's, what's caused, what, what this has caused is the potential for scandal. And a lot of bishops have come out now in, in the last two weeks and voiced their opposition to this decree. And I'm not sure what's going to happen next, but out of 5,000 bishops, I guess the, the current count is over 1,000, which is, you know, when you talk 20% of all bishops worldwide, that's a pretty significant uh, pushback have said that they will not abide by this decree and they will not uh, promote it within their diocese. And the bishops have the authority to do that uh, to, to a certain degree, um, to a large degree, but not, uh, not completely. So anyway, it's just going to be interesting to see where this goes. Uh, we are going to end the show today with a, with a special blessing for engaged and married couples who are in a valid marriage. Uh, this is this is a special blessing that's being offered throughout the church this weekend because uh, Sunday is World Marriage Day. And so they've uh, asked all the parishes to offer this blessing. Now, it also happens to be in some parishes like our own, once a month we give a marriage blessing at, at both of the parishes I serve uh, at the end of Mass. So this is in addition to, to that blessing, uh, which is an anniversary blessing. We're going to give this blessing uh, for all validly engaged and married couples. So in the church, in the language of the church, what does that mean? It means uh, engagements and marriages between one man and one woman, as as Christ has explained marriage to be. So, uh, so we'll do that at the end of the program. Our readings today are actually uh, pretty short. Uh, the first reading is from the book of the prophet Jonah. And as I say, uh, this is about Jonah in Nineveh. This is a very short reading uh, from the chapter. This is uh, verses 1 through 5, and I think it throws in uh, a chapter from just a little later on, I mean a verse, uh, verse 10. But read read chapter 3. Read about Nineveh. It's, it's really an interesting story. 
And there are some great books out about the symbolism of this story as well and, and how it affects us today. And we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit. So it reads like this. Uh, the word of the Lord came to Jonah saying, set out for the great city of Nineveh and announce to it the message that I will tell you. So Jonah made ready and went to Nineveh and according to the Lord's bidding. Now Nineveh was an enormously large city. It took three days to walk through it. Jonah began his journey through the city and had gone about a single day's walk announcing, 40 days more and Nineveh shall be destroyed. When the people of Nineveh believed God, they proclaimed a fast and all of them, great and small, put on sackcloth. When God saw by their actions how they turned from their evil way, he repented of the evil that he had threatened to do to them and he did not carry it out. The word of the Lord. So, the story of Nineveh, uh, think about this really early on. We, we get a clue as to what Nineveh is going to be about. It takes thirty day, three days to get through it. Well, what else do we talk about that takes three days? The resurrection of, of Christ from, from death to resurrection. Three days. Uh, when you look at the Lazarus, Lazarus had been dead three days before uh, Jesus went to, to raise him from the dead. So we, we see this theme occurring of three days to go from death to life. Well, Nineveh is in big trouble. They're, they're a very large city. Think of, think of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah on, on, on a super, on a super uh, diet, right? Uh, really pumped up. And uh, it was a huge, huge city. And they were creating many evils. Uh, and so Jonah, poor Jonah, he always, he's one of those prophets. He, he says yes before he asks what he's actually getting into. Yeah, he didn't want, he wanted, didn't want to bring a prophet to begin with. He was kind of pushed into it uh, by, by uh, God. And when he finally saw no way around it, he said, okay, I'm going to do what you want. And he says, okay, great. Go to Nineveh for me. He says, sure, all right. And he packs up and he heads to Nineveh. And he gets there, he says, now what? So he's in the middle of this huge, hugely populated uh, city. And God says, I want you to tell them all I'm going to destroy them. Not a real popular guy in town. I mean, he was lucky to get out alive. So what did it was he was so passionate about this message and so persistent that even the king paid attention to him. And that's, this is part of the missing verses from this reading is the reaction of the king to, uh, to Jonah's words. So the, even the king repented, covered himself in sackcloth and poured ashes over himself to show his humility before God. And because not only did the people show their humility, they even poured ashes and, and uh, over their animals, over their work animals, uh, t- to show how even the, the animals were humbling themselves before the power of God, to the point where uh, God said, okay, fine, they've learned their lesson. I'm, now going to, I'm not going to destroy them. Well, isn't that what God did for us uh, through the love of Christ, through the, through the great passion and sacrifice of Christ, and, uh, and brought us all to the doorway of salvation through, through Christ's resurrection? And so he offers that same salvation in the Old Testament in Jonah's visit uh, to, to Nineveh. We also talk about, he says, in 40 days. In 40 days, God's going to do this. Well, 40 is a really important number in Scripture. 40 is always a period of sanctification, 
a period of purification. Think about the 40 days of, of rain uh, during uh, the storm during Noah's Ark, uh, 40 years in the desert for the, uh, the tribes of Israel before they could enter the promised land. It talks about 40 days after the, the birth of a child before a woman can re-enter the temple. These are all periods of, of uh, purification, and they're all symbolized by the number 40. And so in Nineveh, they have 40 days before God is going to destroy them. So it's a period of, of purification. Well, we're in that 40 days. We're in that period of, of purification. Now, it's not going to take 40 days or 40 years. In fact, uh, we've been in this period since the resurrection. All we know is Christ is coming back. He promised, and he's going to keep his promise. He kept his promise about everything else. God has always been honest with us. He's kept his word in everything he does. And so when he says there's going to be an end of days where Jesus will come back and there will be a final judgment, we believe that. That's our faith because uh, God has proven his trustworthiness through, through his son. And so we're in that period of purification. What are we doing to humble ourselves before the power and the, and the, the justice of, of our Lord? And, and that's what this first reading gets us to start to think about. When we get into the reading from Paul to the Corinthians, he says, I tell you, brothers and sisters, the time is running out. From now on, let those who have wives act as having, not having them. Those weeping as not weeping. Those rejoicing as not rejoicing. Those buying as not owning. And those using the world as not using it fully. For the world in its present form is passing away. The word of the Lord. So once again, Paul reminds us that we're in this period of justification. We're in this period of, of purification. And we have to start looking at the world differently. What we put emphasis on in our world, we have to let go of, whether it's our possessions or our, um, our passions, our, our desire for, for power or for stuff. We have to start looking at the world differently because this world is temporary. The life after this world is eternal, is forever. Uh, live as good a life as you want right now and know that that could end in the blink of an eye. We don't know when death is going to come, uh, whether it's our personal death or whether it's going to be the end of the world, the last day, uh, the day of judgment. We don't know at all when that's going to happen. And if we continue to put our priority on earthly things and earthly things will end, that leaves us with nothing. And Paul is reminding the, the church in Corinth that you have to set new priorities, that this, is, this world is temporary. So what's your priority going to be? The people of Nineveh decided to set everything aside and focus on their humility before God. What will be our decision? How will we react to the knowledge that this, this life that we live is temporary? What comes next is what's important. In the gospel according to Mark, and this comes from the, the first chapter of Mark, uh, Mark starts, starts by talking about John the Baptist and quickly switches over from John's ministry to Christ's ministry. After John has been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent 
and believe in the gospel. And as he passed by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea. They were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then they abandoned their nets and followed him. He walked along a little farther and saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They too were in a boat mending their nets. Then he called them, and so they left their father Zebedee in the boat, along with the hired men, and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. So again, we're, we're back to this same knowledge that something new is happening, something different is happening, and what was their world, what was the, what was the world for, for John and for James and, and for, for Simon, Peter, and for his brother Andrew, it's all changing, and it's all changing because of Christ. Christ changed everything uh, through, through his ministry, his life, his passion, his death, and his resurrection. The world is different. And now we're being reminded this weekend, uh, as, we, as we're going through ordinary time and getting prepared for Lent and for the passion, death, and resurrection of Christ at, at Easter, we're being reminded that something new is about to happen and something old, our, our current understanding of our, of our life and our world, needs to be set aside. I, th- I think it's really telling in this gospel reading how this is after, of course, uh, John the Baptist had already pointed Jesus out to Andrew and another one of his disciples saying, there is the Lamb of God. And they got up and they followed Jesus and said, you know, he said, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, uh, where do you live? And he said, come with me and I'll show you. Well, as a rabbi, when you gathered disciples as, as a rabbi, uh, you didn't just study with him, you lived with him. You would live with the rabbi. Uh, the idea wasn't to just learn from them, but to become like them. So when they asked Jesus, where do you live? They were saying, we want to not just follow you, we want to, we want to live with you and become like you. And so Jesus invites them by name to come. And he did the same thing with, with Simon. He invites them by name. He does that with James and John. He calls them by name. He calls each of us by name to fulfill a vocation uh, that that God has planned for us, uh, a vocation to make us eternally happy, not just happy in this life, but happy throughout the next life as well. And that's his plan. Uh, he doesn't create anyone, and, and this is something that goes against some of the Protestant teachings, uh, but this is what, what makes the Catholic faith so rich and so, so alive, is that we understand, believe, and teach that Christ does not predestine anyone for hell. Our God is a loving God, and we are all created in the womb to spend an eternity in union with God. And so we are all called to a vocation, and that vocation might be a, a marriage of vocation, a marriage of ordin, a vocation of ordination, a vocation of religious life. But it's all they're all vocations in service to God and to mankind together, not just one or, or either, but both uh, together. And so that's what we're called to do. And so in, in this reading from Mark, we see Jesus calling his, his disciples to him by name. And just by, just by the authority of God, the authority of Christ, they leave their old life behind. They just drop everything to follow Christ. 
And, and you read this and you think, I have trouble dropping television to go to church on Sunday. And these men drop their livelihoods, their, their whole vocation to follow God. How is it that after centuries, we find it so hard to make little sacrifices when our, our predecessors were willing to make huge, great sacrifices? We, we've been so, we've, bought, we've sold out. We've been bought out by the riches of this world, by the, the, uh, the temptations of a secular world that we find giving those up so, even giving up the slightest bit of, of, of that life in order to show our humility before God as, as the people of Nineveh did, uh, that we can't even drag ourselves to Mass for an hour one day a week. And that's so sad. Um, there's going to be a lot of people on the last day that are going to be very surprised. And it's, there's an old joke. I don't know if it's a Catholic joke or just a Christian joke about the man who gets to heaven and was so surprised to see the people who found their way into heaven. And, and Peter said, well, you're not nearly surprised to see them as they are to see you. So uh, we all run that risk. I mean, we're, we're all on, on that razor's edge. Uh, if we do not give up what we hold, uh, what we are so anchored to in this world, we can never hope uh, to be able to to enter the gates of heaven. So think about your world and think about uh, what you what you actually need and what you can actually do without and be ready this Lent to to start making sacrifices to show your faith and your humility before God. That's it for uh, for this weekend's edition of Good News. I hope you'll join us here on Catholic Spirit Radio every Saturday and Sunday at 8 o'clock. And as we bring today's show to a closing, I would like to include this special prayer for marriage. So if you're an engaged couple or married couple and your spouse is there with you, uh, let's grab hands in prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your tremendous gift of the sacrament of marriage Enable us to grow in our intimacy with you and with each other. Teach us the beauty of forgiveness so we may become more and more one in heart, mind, and body. Strengthen our communication with each other and help us to become living signs of your love. Help us to be examples of commitment, love, and service to our families, children, and community. Make us a sign of the unity which Jesus prays for at the Last Supper. We open ourselves to the guidance of your Holy Spirit who empowers us to love in Jesus' name and walk in his footsteps. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in your life. Submit your questions to Deacon Al at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. That's goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. Deacon will answer your questions about faith and religion. Thank you for listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio.